Welcome to Everything Imaginable, a podcast for curious minds on KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochileo. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. And today we have Jean-Pierre, how do I pronounce that last name? Gianoli. Gianoli. <laughs> and he is the actor, rapper, and I guess as far as this podcast is concerned, paranormal investigator. Thanks for coming on tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. We're like the only two people not watching the Super Bowl. No, right? (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I was watching it before. Oh, I had my eyes on it too earlier. (laughs) So, um, it's interesting. How let's start with the rap. What got you into rapping? I mean, there's not many. I'm going to assume that you're Italian, right? Yep, definitely. There are not many Italian rappers out there. Yeah, especially not on the mainstream level. Now, if you go to more of the you know underground scene that aren't as famous or well-known, then, then you definitely have uh, a, a lot more diversity in that genre. But uh, on the mainstream level, definitely not many, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, uh, rap and hip hop uh, became a big part of my life. I was born in Long Beach, California, and uh, it, it was kind of a mecca for hip hop when I was growing up in the 80s and 90s. You know, Snoop Dogg came out of Long Beach. Uh, a lot of the rappers I knew, like Warren G, in that same circle of people. Um, so it was hard not to hear rap and hip hop because it was just around, you know, the cars going by, the music in the neighborhood. It was always rap and hip hop. And it just, I think I understood it because I grew up in not the best area, you know, there's definitely a lot of gang violence and drugs and different things that go on around here. And, uh, you know, you can't help but be exposed to it when it's around you. So I think I really understood the music and that's why I related to it. I I understood what the rappers were talking about. Um, And my family was intelligent enough to tell me to not take it so seriously doesn't mean you have to go do that stuff but you know you can listen to it without having to live that lifestyle so um (laughs) so i didn't really get into rap when i was very young as far as doing it myself but as i got older especially in junior high uh i really when we finally got cable and i saw like a lot of rap videos on mtv and things like that i really started connect more with it Mm -hmm. Uh, and i made some of my first friends in school because i was rapping like bone thugs and harmony lyrics in on the playground and you know some of the kids were like oh you like that music too you know so i made friends just off of uh so there's fun memories of rap kind of creating a social environment for me that was comfortable and and relatable um and then i've always just kind of picked up things very quickly so by junior high i started writing just for fun and uh you know i just kind of was like i can do this stuff it's not that hard Um, And then by the time I was in high school and I had English projects that had to do with poetry, um, I wrote in rhyme. I didn't do it necessarily uh, for the project, but it's just kind of how I wrote. And my teachers were very impressed. Now, now they made me redo the projects because it wasn't, you know, formatted like poetry, but they said it was so clever and entertaining that they still gave me full credit. They just made me redo it the way they wanted me to. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's when I kind of realized like, oh, I can do this. And then other students heard about it and were like, oh, this guy can rap. So I was kind of shy back then, but eventually like, I just really started finding artists on the underground scene that inspired me. And I have a very socially conscious 
message when I do music and finding artists that had that really inspired me to, to write and create music. So that's kind of where it started in college. I just went full force with it. You smoke a lot of weed. Not really. No, no, nothing <laughs> especially not in the work process. I don't understand how people do it personally. For me, it makes me too like chill. And I feel like I don't get things done. I've been in lots of sessions with different artists, producers, rappers, and everybody's smoking and nothing gets done. And I'm the only one in the studio either producing music or writing lyrics. And they're all like, oh, man, I'm tired now. I'm hungry. And I just leave the studio with like, you know, some completed work that I've done. And they're still like, you know, vegging out. And uh, so I feel like for me, I like that's more of the celebratory you know, thing to do. It's not while well, you're trying to get work done. That's just my personal philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I, I've never seen so much pot being smoked as I did at uh, Wu Tang shows. Oh, nice. Um, so, so then, how, how do you go from rapping to acting? Um. Uh, it kind of it kind of relates to my story about rap. I, I pick up things very quickly. I, I call myself kind of a mimic. Um, you know, uh, I, I see things and I'm able to replicate them. So that that kind of where it all comes from. I even younger before the rap came along, I used to imitate like Groucho Marx and uh, you know Elvis Presley and all these things that like my mom and my family. All right, all right. do an Elvis impression. Well, thank you. Well, thank you very much, your baby. Let me be. You love teddy bear. <laughs> oh, yeah, do a Snoop Dogg impression. Oh man, I wish I could do a one. So three into the foot. Snoop Doggy Dog and Dr. Dre is at the dough. <laughs> Just a little bit. Yeah, I do impressions too. I do a ton of impressions. Um some of the favorite ones like Chris Walken, uh, Mickey Mouse, things like that. Uh, so impressions are definitely uh, something I'm I'm known for too, uh, and it goes back to what I was talking about mimicking. Like mm -hmm. you know, seeing the great comedians and actors growing up just inspired me, and I imitated them. And I think that's where I got the bug for all of the inter anything entertainment, really, not just rap, but comedy. You know, stand up comedy, acting, all these things. They're kind of I they're kind of all interrelated in a way. I think it's it's a way of expression. At least for me personally, I find it a, a way to express myself in different ways. Mm -hmm. So. And then how does this lead to paranormal? <laughs> it really doesn't, but it also interconnects. So um, I had a very, my very first experience when I was really little, uh, probably about and then maybe like two or three years old. I stayed at my grandmother's house, which I did often. So it, there was nothing unusual about that. But my grandfather who passed away when I was three months old, um, I was sleeping in his room. And uh, I woke up in the middle of the night and he was in front of me trying to talk to me, shaking my hand. And I freaked out. It was the first experience I've ever had. I didn't know what was going on. Uh, and as scared as I was, I have such a curiosity about me. I actually chased him when he left the room and disappeared through the dining room wall. And when I ran to my grandmother and told her what happened, she said, oh, you know, it's just your imagination and, you know, whatever. Um, and for about a good man, maybe like eight years or so. They didn't really say anything to me because they didn't want to scare me. But my mom and my grandma eventually sat me down when I was about 10 years old and said, hey, look, our family's sensitive to this stuff. When before my grandmother came here from Italy, she experienced things out there and out here. My mom experienced a ton of stuff. And like that's when the bug hit me of curiosity. We're like, I want to know about this stuff because I experience it and I've met people who've experienced it. But I've also met people who haven't. I met mm -hmm. believers and skeptics. 
So I was just curious. I want to know more. Why do I see these things? What's different about me? Or, you know, is there something different about me or does everybody experience this? And I just started studying, reading books, watching the few shows that existed in the 90s, uh, like Unsolved Mysteries did episodes yeah. sometimes. Uh, there was a show called Sightings on Fox, which uh, I would watch for like, you know, that kind of spooky paranormal mm-hmm. stuff. Of course, X-Files was huge at the time. Um, so all those things I just loved. I had, I just, the, the idea of something that's unknown makes me just so curious. I want to know more about it. Well, what is it? Why does it happen? And that just really pushed me full force. And Ghostbusters is one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, I learned most of my comedy from people like Dan Aykroyd and, you know, Bill Murray, uh, people like that. And then when I saw Ghostbusters, my, actually my mom was ready to pop. Like the week before I was born, she went to see Ghostbusters in theaters when I was in the womb. So I joked that from the womb, I was a fan of Ghostbusters because it's my favorite movie of all time. And when I heard Bill Murray say, oh, I'm a PhD in uh, psychology and parapsychology, I was like, I want that degree in parapsychology. (laughs) Um, So, you know, somewhat inspired by Ghostbusters, I actually earned my PhD in parapsychology in 2009. Uh, So, you know, I went as far as to study the paranormal and metaphysics and psychology. Mm -hmm. And that really shaped uh, a lot of my theories, philosophies and, you know, things within the paranormal world. So, so where does one go to get a PhD in parapsychology? Well, the, the number of colleges that offer that program has dwindled over the years because it doesn't get a lot of financial support because it's considered out of the confines of things that are normal. Uh, I got mine from a college that was called uh, Progressive Universal Life Church. They were on the East Coast um, at the time, and I was able to get my uh, doctorate through them. Uh, I found out when uh, a local newspaper did an article on my paranormal organization that they no longer offer the program either. So um, originally, before I graduated high school, USC used to offer a program and I'm in Los Angeles. I was like, perfect. Like, you know, I'll go to USC and get my degree there. And by the time I graduated, it was no longer available. Um, So I know Penn State is one of the biggest colleges that that has the program uh, and it still does to this day and is pretty active and they get good funding out there. And I don't remember, there's like two or three more, I think, left that actually offer programs in, in that area of study. So. so so, what kind of courses did he offer? Did he offer like ghost hunting 101, ghost hunting 102, metaphysics? Not really. Um, Not most, most of the stuff you learn paranormal wise is more field work with people who are doing the actual work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh in, in the sense of what you learn, uh, for me, which I thought was very important, and I'm glad it was part of the curriculum, was I studied a lot of psychology. You really have to study human behavior because you're un- trying to understand our interactions with these things that are unknown to most people. Uh, so, I mean, I think that was really important. And then if this is all based off energy, you want to learn about energy. So you're studying in areas that are not so much in the scientific realm. There are more metaphysical things that can't be always quantified or observed or, you know, directly um, studied in a way like most other, like actual science is studied. So it's kind of more thinking outside the box and dealing with people who are dealing with things that aren't normal. So a lot of the studies like energy and mm-hmm. psychology is important, like I said, uh, seeing our interactions and how we react to things. They dive into like things like quantum physics, um, holographic universe theory, multidimensionality, stuff like that. 
Yeah, definitely. You definitely had courses that touched on those um, subjects because it definitely is connected to things that are paranormal and some of the theories as to why um, these things occur, you know, to us in our world, even though it's, you know, can't be measured physically here. Mm -hmm. And some of the theories are because of things like, you know, multi-dimensions, you know, cross crossing dimensions, you know, even string theory, things like that. Uh, so yeah, you touch on all of that. Uh, a lot of the main basis of the study is within, um, energy, because if these exist there, they are energy there. There's measurable energy that happens when, you know, paranormal things occur. Um, so a lot of it's energy study. And then again, psychology, because you're trying to understand our interactions with these things, because that's essentially what it is. It's our interactions with mm -hmm. things that are unknown. Is it our interaction with them? Is it their interaction with us? Uh, a little bit of both, really. <laughs> a little bit of both, but I think we try to understand it from our perspective most of the time. As as human beings, uh, we're very like we want to uh, we want to label and like understand everything, and that's what I think makes this such a fringe type of field to study because you know everything has to be labeled, everything has to be defined, and then you enter something like parapsychology or the paranormal, and everything is not clearly defined and sometimes it can't be. And that bothers, you know, very critical thinking, logical, rational people, because you have to define it. You have to measure it. And when you encounter stuff like this, you can't all the time. And you have to go uh, almost on face sometimes. I'm like, well, I believe I experienced this mm -hmm. or this client believes they experienced this. I'm going to listen to them, have empathy, try and understand and come to a conclusion on if it's something if that's unknown or maybe we could find some sort of natural cause for you know paranormal activity if that's what what we encounter so so with, with the paranormal I, I i mean to me it's like a given you know uh, we, we don't know everything so so you know that does it say like the paranormal doesn't exist to me it's like probably like really an absurd absurd type of statement to to say you know because we don't know everything and um, you know, and, and I've thought, you know, I've had, you know, quite a, f I, I've been, you know, you know, paranormal investigations. Um, I, I've worked at psychic fairs, and I've dabbled in the occult. So, so I, I've covered, you know, all different areas of it. Um, and I, I like for me, like, like what it does is. At the end of the day, it makes me question reality. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, 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 like what, what is real and what isn't real? Or is everything just not real? Or is everything real? Like, where do you stand on, like, like that type of philosophical question? Um, that has definitely changed over my life. Uh, and that as a lot of that has to do with uh, the way I was raised and personally. So, you know, I was raised in a, in a very Catholic household, but uh, it was taught to take religion with a grain of salt, just because most people know uh, any institution, no matter what can be manipulated and influenced for any purpose, really, whether it's to control people, to influence things, whatever it is. And I think that helped me start to see things like, I don't know if everything is real. We, like I said, it's like I said earlier, actually, we have to define everything. And that's what makes reality is, at least for most human beings, it's when we define something, that's what it is. And mm -hmm. that's the end of it, right? But that's not always the case. So for me personally, as I've evolved through my life, 
what I've learned is um, everything is really how we perceive it or choose to perceive it. So like um, I think some of the best examples of which I've more been more enlightened in my last few years in life. Um, you know, I left my abusive family that affected my life a lot. I was abused pretty severely growing up and that affected my way of viewing even myself um, and breaking free from that, taking some seminars and different things that really opened me up. You really start to see that what is real is, is, is how we define you know, real to ourselves. So for me, what defined real was I was taught you're supposed to work, you're supposed to do all these specific things. You know, I didn't get the right degree according to my family and my abuser. I didn't do what they wanted me to do. I'm not working this job and having a house and kids and all the things that they say you should have. Now, is that reality? For most people we're taught that is, but are you truly happy if you just do what everybody else is doing? And that's kind of where I had to break free from and say, okay, say say I failed at something, right? Say I'm poor and I live in the streets. What does that mean? That means exactly what it is. It's not good or bad. It's just what is. So it, reality, a lot of it is what's been, what's been defined and how other people view you. But if you truly can break free from that, which is difficult no matter what, um, you can start to see that reality is different. It is what we make it if you choose to see it a certain way, you know. Mm. Um, granted, of course, we live in a system. When you're born, you're given a name. You're, you're told what you are, who you are, what to be. And all these things confine you. And then if you could break free from that, I think that's when you really start to live life and be in real reality and find real happiness is doing things that you're passionate about, you care about, without any regard for how many, people may judge you or look at you or talk about you. And if you look at some of the most successful people in the world in general, they have that mentality, whether we like them or not, or whether they've done good or bad, that's a different story. Mm -hmm. But you look at people who have been successful in the eyes of most other people um, or well-known and they broke the rules. They did something different and they really didn't care what people thought of them. They needed to do that. And that's kind of, that's what I'm trying to get to fully, but I feel like I've gotten there. And I think, reality is here because it's what it's what is created for us but we can change that by how we view it and how we act within this confinement that we're given Hmm. well that's definitely true you know when we break free of that that programming that we have in early life um the easier it is to find our own way definitely um but to go a little deeper, do you, and if, if things, you know, if it depends on our perception, um, what do you, like, do you think, like, like for instance, matter, you know, like nothing's really solid. Mm-hmm. Everything is, in a way, made out of nothingness. And uh, do you think it's possible that we just exist in only a conscious form? Uh, yeah, I, w- I would say that's not too far-fetched, to be honest, because uh, I believe even after the physical form, uh, if, we, if we even want to go into, into that level, even the physical form, there's something deeper. It, uh, to me, it's even beyond uh, you, what religion defines it as and what many people has defined it as. There's something more, and I think people who are curious go to look for more because they feel like there's something else here. Um, so I definitely think we exist on, on a different level, even than we believe we do. So um, how many investigations have you done? Man, uh, 
I honestly don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but we've done thousands of investigations. I've been doing it for like over 20 years, really 20 years officially as an organization. And then uh, even before that, we always investigated and like were mentored by people in the field out here in California that brought us to locations or got, got us access to locations. So we've done thousands of investigations. What type of equipment do you use? Um, so my team tries to play both sides of the spectrum. You know, we use the scientific method as well as the spiritual method. So, uh, some of it is the spiritual side, which is we use our senses and our feelings. You know, we might have a medium or an empath or a sensitive part of our team. Uh, and then we also use EMF meters, you know, they measure the electromagnetic field, digital thermometers, cause it said they can disrupt uh, the actual temperature of a room or, or the area, mm-hmm. um, infrared cameras. So you can see in the darkness, if you're in a dark location, uh, full spectrum cameras, which are modified cameras that let in all types of light. So some like, cause uh, the thing I always have to tell people is, you know, our human ear and human eyes see on spectrums. And it's yeah. limited on, on the spectrum of what exists. So when you have artificial things like lenses or microphones, uh, they can pick up more of that spectrum. So we use equipment like that. Same thing with audio recorders. You might, you know, you can use your phone nowadays for most of these things. They're so advanced. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I started out, you had to go buy specialized equipment. But a lot of the time now, there's great microphones, great video on phones. And you could do a lot just with that one device. Um, I still tend to like to have specific you know, cameras for certain things or audio recorders for certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those are kind of the basics. You know, we usually have a, a DVR system set up so we can have a bunch of cameras that catch like every angle if we're investigating a property or a residence that way. If anything happens, you want to try and capture it and cover as many angles as you can because this stuff doesn't like to act on command. Like the moment you say hello, it doesn't want to interact with you. Mm-hmm. You know, before you show up, things are flying, people are screaming, it's crazy. You show up and all of a sudden it doesn't want to interact with you. It doesn't want to do anything. So um, a lot of this is sitting around in the dark, hoping that something happens. <laughs> um, so so uh, ha- have you ever caught a full body apparition? Uh, yes, we believe we have. There's been a few times actually, and it was actually in more recent years that we caught it. Uh, so I can't disclose one location because it's a business. So obviously I'm not going to tell you where this was, uh, but I was able to put the footage online on our uh, YouTube channel and we were doing a, a private business. And as we were walking down a hallway and it wasn't pitch black in this area, there was little lights, but we still had our, um, uh, full, I believe it was an infrared camera we were using that caught the figure. Um, and we're walking down this hallway. It's late at night. The business is closed. There's only a maintenance worker there. And we knew where they were at all times. And as we're walking down the hall, this occurred in front of the camera. Uh, so it's not, it's not like you would have missed a person in front of you. Mm-hmm. And you see someone walk in front of us. You don't hear a sound. And it actually blocked the light that was shining on, on a wooden door. And when you turn the corner, there's nobody there. And it was a very small area. So it's not like anybody would have gone past you, um, you know, and you wouldn't have noticed it, especially a few feet in front of you. No way you would have missed that even in the dark, which it wasn't fully dark. Um, And yeah, there was definitely a figure that went by and none of us noticed it or said anything, except we we did catch it on two cameras because we we had two cameras walking down the hallway. And I saw like a light on the camera, but I didn't see it was the figure. I just saw like, I think I saw something move. And then once we finished that sweep, we stopped and checked the footage right there on the spot. 
and we're like, somebody walked in front of us and my wife was part of my team was baffled because she was leading the whole crew in that hallway and she would have seen that person. There's no way she would have missed it. She was like right in front of it. And she's like, there was nobody there. So that was a really cool thing that we captured and we couldn't explain. Uh, even better than that, we uh, went during the day to the old uh, Griffith Park uh, Zoo, which used to be the old Los Angeles Zoo. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were filming up one of the cages in the staircase. And it looked like a figure popped in at the stairs. And then when it realized the camera was on it, it backed up. And a bunch of birds in the trees behind it like like flew away as soon as it moved. And we couldn't figure out what it was. And we went back to try and replicate it. I'm about six feet tall. Mm-hmm. This thing had a like a humongous torso. Like you couldn't even see its legs. Wow. And when we tried to replicate it with my body, you could see my legs. So mm-hmm. this thing had like some sort of weird disproportionate torso that was extremely long. And it kind of looked like it had like a green, like almost goblin-like face. And it was pure solid. You couldn't see through it. It wasn't transparent or anything. That's cool. And that was really cool because we didn't, and we didn't notice it. My wife was, was the one filming with the camera that day. We went, we went through our daytime walkthrough before we go at night to investigate. So, I mean, the, the park was full of people. We always, our big thing is always call out everything you see. So we don't misidentify something. So we're always like, Hey, there's a jogger over here. Uh, there's an animal running by that dog barking, whatever it is. And my wife, Sits up there, stays steady on that part for a section. She's like, oh, yeah, you know, this is pretty long stairs or whatever. And she didn't even notice. And she was visibly looking straight up that staircase and didn't see it. Um, And then we got home that night and she was like, I think we caught something, babe. And I was like, what? And we watched and we're like, and she's like, I didn't see anybody up there. There's no way there was anybody up there. So uh, that was that was just mind blowing that we caught that. And well, I've been doing it for like, what, 15 years at that uh-huh. point? And it was like, wow, we caught something like this 15 years. And we finally got like that piece of evidence that was just, <laughs> wow. So. so. So do you think that some of these entities are non-human? Like they're not, you know, they're, they're something else? Um, it is very possible. Yeah. Um, I don't doubt it. Um, now, I feel like Hollywood and the entertainment industry in general make and give people the perception that all these things are evil. It's just all bad and negative. And that's why there's all these horror movies um, that I think it's on the lower end of the spectrum. Cause with thousands of cases that we've done, like maybe one or two were that bad. And even then they still weren't as exaggerated as like a Hollywood movie was. Um, but I definitely think there are non-human things out there. I've encountered some stuff that definitely wasn't human human in any any shape or form like a spirit it was something else because it was able to either have more power to do things or appear differently so hmm. um what do you think about like um and i'm sure you've watched like ghost adventures with zach and uh you know it's like every place he goes there's a demon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you think he's faking it? You think he's just pl- playing for the TV show? I mean, he definitely could be. Uh, I've met the guy a few times, and he's uh, not the the brightest crayon in the box, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the show and the way they conduct themselves in investigations. That's just not how I do it. So I don't have a lot of respect for people who don't have respect for whatever this is. Uh Um, That's just my personal philosophy. Um, 
but I definitely think he plays it up for entertainment purposes. Um, you know, uh, he knows what works and it's worked for him for many years. It's sad that people who I think really have a passion for mm-hmm. trying to understand and further this field and furthermore, um, serious uh, takes on what it is i think that hinders it because it becomes entertainment instead of something that's a curiosity or a knowledge uh-huh. um it becomes oh man it's scary everything's evil <laughs> and yeah, it, it creates that perception um but also on another level you know i believe in the law of attraction when you're positive you attract positive things and when uh-huh. you're negative you attract negative things so there is a very big possibility because of the way he approaches it so negatively and so aggressively he may be actually calling out these things. Is one thing I've discovered in the years of investigating is usually when you have spirits in a place, you usually have like a portal or a doorway that these things can come in and out of. Mm-hmm. Almost like if a spirit didn't know how to pass on, that door is always there if the spirit decides that it's ready to pass on to out of this realm or whatever it is. And when you have that, you have the potential for other things to come in and out of those doorways. So it's very possible that if he goes in so aggressively and so negatively that that doorway is open, something negative is near it. Like, oh, I'm going to come mess with this dude, you know. So that could be another possibility as to why maybe there is something negative there. And and with his energy, he's drawing it out. Because I think in real life, you attract people the same way. Mm -hmm. If you're doing bad things and you're around a bad group of people, that's what you're going to attract. So. Yeah, I I think my my opinion of him is that he's. I don't know. He, I think he's just sort of pushing more of a, a religious agenda through his show rather than paranormal investigation. Yeah. You know, he, he always has that, that religious sort of angle to it. Which, and if you look at religion, it makes a lot of sense because religion, most religions, uh, if not all, uh, say that God saves all souls, right? So right. no spirit would be left behind. It's all demons. And 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 one of the stigmas of the paranormal is we're always fighting to have different definitions, but people know the definitions as religious definitions of spirits and ghosts and mm-hmm. all of that. So that's a stigma we carry all the time is trying to fight off. Like, no, we're not being religious. We're using the scientific method yeah. and trying to figure these things out. And I don't believe they're all evil because I've encountered lots of different things. And there, I've had tons of positive experiences and clients who've had positive experiences. So mm-hmm. yeah, well, I agree with the whole religious thing. Cause that definitely, that mentality comes from religion. So yeah. 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 He definitely has, has, um, I don't know, a certain favoritism towards a certain religion that has a certain agenda type of thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can't can't explain it any other way. (laughs) And that's true. And also it makes perfect sense if there's demons everywhere he goes, because that's what religion believes. So it fits right into the religious, uh, you know, definition of what these things are. Yeah. It's a little bit of a fanaticism there. Um, Do you have your own paranormal show? Uh, No, we actually did a web series for two years. Uh, The, uh, the Griffith Park one is an episode of my web series, um, but uh, we had to stop doing it. Life got busy. My wife went back to college. I started pursuing my entertainment career very, very diligently. Um, you know, some of the team members moved out of state, so we don't do it as much. Uh, the web series, we don't do it all anymore. Uh, sometimes I'll throw updates if we catch any evidence. We have cases. Obviously, with COVID, we haven't been doing much, so I haven't uh-huh. been updating it at all. Um 
But yeah, no, we're not doing the web series, but we have two years worth of content. And surprisingly, we're still getting subscribers uh, to our YouTube channel. So we have enough content, I guess, because people are still subscribing to us. So yeah, I mean, I mean, it looks like the travel channel's always looking for paranormal shows. Sometimes, yeah. Uh, it's uh, the uh, weird thing about it. So I can tell you from my personal experience with the entertainment industry, and mm-hmm. especially like, you know, I'm an entertainer. So obviously the paranormal, <laughs> this is where they, they combine with the paranormal and entertainment. So I've been tapped for TV shows lots of times. Um, I turned down a handful of deals because they wanted me to fake stuff. And I'm too passionate about this. This isn't like... This isn't a gimmick to me. This isn't something I play with. Uh-huh. It's something I actually care dearly about. And I spent a lot of my life working at. And we, you know, when they told us like, you guys know reality TV is not reality, right? We're going to tell you what to do, how to do it, but we won't script anything. Okay. We might script some stuff. Um, like that was just such a let. That's not that I didn't know, uh-huh. but I didn't know to the extent yeah. that reality tv was all staged and set up and to me as as someone who's a, a thespian and an entertainer it's an insult because they don't want to pay you anything they're like if the show does good then we'll give you more money mm-hmm. but you just have to feed off of scraps until you get famous and it's like wait so you want me to use my skills as an actor to act but you're not going to pay me proportionately for what i'm doing as an actor like that's to me that's very insulting like no yeah. I, let me be myself at least that way if i get famous it's of my own merit and i'm not faking anything <laughs> <laughs> i had interviewed somebody who was on wife swap and mm-hmm. and, and, he, and he said it was so fake mm-hmm. <laughs> he said it was terrible <laughs> it was like the worst experience he ever had yeah and, and for some reason the guy the, the, somehow he ended up on wife swap because he he, he ran into josh gates <laughs> <laughs> And Josh Gates said, yeah, yeah, I'll get you on TV. <laughs> he got him on Wife Swap. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what's really funny, too, actually. I've met a lot of these TV people, especially in the paranormal field, just because when you're in it, you tend to bump into them sometimes. Mm-hmm. And especially, like, my team made a pretty big name for itself uh, in the early 2000s. So, like, a lot of the industry knew who we were because we were out there, like, really hustling, really investigating. And people were like, yo, these guys are legit. They're really helpful. They're really nice. Um so people, we were on everybody's radar for a while. Um, and when you run into these people, yeah. God, uh, I forget the guy's name. Uh, I met him a few times. Uh, ben, uh, ben something. He was on uh, Factor Faked when that was on Sci-Fi. And then he has another paranormal show on Travel Channel. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why I'm blanking on his last name right now. But yeah, he's a former FBI guy. But he's totally entertaining. Oh. Yeah, the guy he he does that detective. Is he like a detective from Brooklyn, and they go in separately to the house? That one? No, no, not that one. Yeah, that's a different person. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, uh, sorry, I'm I'm blanking on his name at the moment. But uh, really nice guy, but totally in entertainment because he contacted me a few times about getting me on different TV shows, especially since I have the entertainment background. Of course, you're gonna reach out to those people. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm looking for people for this show. Oh, yeah, I can get you on it. And it's like. So you're former FBI, you're into the paranormal, but you're also like working with people casting these shows and stuff. So, so it's interesting, <laughs> interesting to see that. Like <laughs> uh, I'll say, like I remember, like the, the the first real ghost hunting show was actually just Ghost Hunters on Sci-Fi. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and I thought the like the early episodes were really really good. And I, and I thought they were authentic, yeah. and then towards the end, it just got kind of. You know, they were thrown into creepy music and 
you know, it, it became something else. They were adding dr- like drama between team members, and I was mm. like, they they, they kind of shot themselves in the foot with that one. Yeah, but, definitely. But but I have heard, and, and he's still one of my favorites. That 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 Steve Gonzalez is a really professional, nice guy. He's really genuine. Definitely. Have you met him? I have not met him, uh, but I've heard the same thing. You know, a lot of people ask me for um, my opinion on a lot of the people in the paranormal field because they know I'm in it. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I've known people close to him and he he does seem like a legitimate person. I, I haven't really met too many people in the field that I really don't like you know i like i said i met zach because he lives in vegas and my my former head researcher lives in vegas so Mm -hmm. i used to run into him all the time and he's a nice guy in person but like i I don't respect what he does personally um but yeah steve gonzalez gonzalez i heard i heard a lot of good things about him he's a nice guy i haven't met him personally but i definitely heard a lot of nice things about him yeah, I, I actually, I think I talked to him on the, on the internet once, and he had re- recommended that I read some book, um, I don't know, by, by Lloyd something Bach. I forget what it was. Um, but it was pretty cool. Nice. Um, what is the most haunted place that you've investigated? Most haunted place that I've investigated? Um let's think uh, okay i think the the one that that sticks out to me is because i had a, a personal experience at this location uh, it was a private residence uh here in bellflower california um now i've been told by other spiritual people that i have some sort of authority on the other side and that's why things don't mess with me and i rarely have physical things happen to me mm-hmm. and i really experience a lot of stuff that some other people do on my team um this particular case we went in to investigate, um, you know, we, 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 we do backgrounds on people. We make sure they're mentally sound, you know, they're not making up stories. So we rarely have cases where that are made up in any way. Um, so everything seemed legit. We went, went out to investigate. Um, stuff was happening throughout the night at this location. Literally the moment we showed up and got out of our cars outside of the house, mm-hmm. a metal chair slid from under the table on their balcony like as we were getting out of our car and the the client was out of her house and we were just like, get a camera up there right now. Like what is going on? Um, So we had tons of activity happen. Uh, It was 4 a.m. We decided to take a break and leave all our equipment running in the home, go get some snacks and then come back later. It's about 4 a.m. We're sitting outside of the property, leaving our cameras running. And all of a sudden we start hearing native American chanting throughout the entire neighborhood. This is a weeknight in a heavily populated area. So we're just baffled like what is happening. So one part of my team jumps in a car, drives around looking for the source. Rest of us on foot running around the block trying to figure it out. Found nothing. We all came back and couldn't figure out the source. It didn't make any sense. We realized my wife is missing. Wait, what? where's she at? I thought she was with you. No, I thought she was with you. And we all just went to 7-Eleven. So her Slurpee was sitting in the middle of the street in the cul-de-sac. And she was just like gone. Um, so... The team that was in the car jumped in their car again. I went down the block and literally we both arrived at the corner at the same time. And she was just standing there on the corner, but we walked past that spot and she wasn't there. The car drove by that spot. She wasn't there. Hey, where were you? I was right here the whole time. No, you weren't. You couldn't have been. We walked by here. Hmm. No, this is where I was. Just like, she's just like, just forget about it. Just forget about it. 
So we let her be, you know, as long as she's okay, that's all we care about is everyone's safe. So we go back in the house. It's probably closer to six in the morning now. We start breaking down our equipment. Um, now the client's sister showed up at probably like three in the morning because she works a late night job. Now she came in the house and nobody noticed her. And it was really weird because like, you know, she walked right past us, even though it was dark, like we could see our eyes were already adjusted. And all of us just got a weird feeling. Like there's something weird about this person. Um, so back to me breaking down equipment, I'm taking a camera off the stairwell that I had set up. And all of a sudden I feel like something big is just coming down, barreling at me. And so I like brace and this is little petite Latino woman. And I'm just like, I think she's the source of this activity. We need to figure this out. Um, and you know, I'm like, whatever, just letting you know, that's the feeling. So I told some of my team members what I felt. And then we just kept breaking down equipment. Uh, for some reason she was fixated on me. Her eyes didn't come off of me. I'm walking, grabbing equipment, putting stuff away. Uh, finally, I had to put a piece of gear in a bag that was right next to her. She was sitting on the couch, it was on the floor. So I walked up, put my equipment in the bag, caught eyes with her for maybe five, 10 seconds. And all of a sudden my chest got super tight. My eyes started to water, I couldn't breathe. It was the first time I ever ran out of a house. I ran out because I feared for my safety. As soon as I crossed the threshold outside, everything opened up, I could breathe again. My wife came out, checked on me. I said, I'm okay, but I'm not going back in there. You guys finish grabbing the equipment. We'll call it a night after this. Um, so we leave the house. We talk to the client. We say, this is what we experienced. Give us a week to go over all the audio, video, and everything and see if we captured anything. But I can tell you right now, my strong feeling is your sister is involved with something because I, everybody felt something and, and the energy seems to come from her. And she didn't tell, of course, she didn't disclose this at the beginning of the case, but she did at the end when I told her, we honed in on her. She says, well, she, I think she does some like brujaria, which is like Spanish witchcraft mm -hmm. for witchcraft. And it's like, you know, like her and some of the girls at her work are fighting and they like, they took hair out of their brushes and like, I don't know, I did all this weird stuff. And I was like, yeah, that's most likely why there's activity in the home. Because <laughs> if she doesn't know what she's doing, that makes this 10 times worse. Yeah. Because, you know, even when you know what you're doing, it can easily slip from your hands and become a bad situation. But if you really don't know what you're doing, you're, you're creating uh, hell, essentially, mm -hmm. uh, trying to mess with this kind of stuff and not having the knowledge uh, or the respect for it. Um, so... Yeah, I was like, yeah, it's probably the sister. Uh, so, you know, we, we did our little thing. But the next morning, me and my wife wake up. Now, um, well, actually, you know what? Sorry, I forgot one more thing before we left. So before we left, I said, let's go back to that corner you were at and check it out again. So we walked there. And as we got to the spot where she vanished and appeared again, she collapsed. I had to catch her. And I, she was like, we need to leave. And I was like, okay, we're leaving right now. So we just got our stuff and left. Next morning, me and my wife wake up. Um, she was missing for about 15 minutes. Her wristwatch was exactly 15 minutes behind. And I had a circular burn mark on my chest where it got tight and I couldn't breathe. Um, I call that the most haunted place because I've never had anything like that happen to me. And the amount of activity, the intenseness of everybody's experiences was so more, much bigger than anything we've experienced that I think that was probably the most haunted place. Uh, side note to that, there's a giant Edison substation not too far from there and spirits are said to feed off of energy. So that could be why potentially if there's something there, it's drawing from that substation and, you know, being able to manifest more, more than, you know, normal. Hmm. Do you think your wife could have been abducted by aliens and lost time? <laughs> 
not in that particular case, no. It was definitely a spiritual thing. She actually said she remembers it being pitch black mm-hmm. and she felt something breathing on her and like she felt the moisture of the breath. Uh, but there was no lights or anything weird like that. And we've dealt with UFO cases too. So um, I think we we would have looked into that if it, anything else had happened that related to it. But it definitely seemed like something spiritual was, we were de- was what we were dealing with. Hmm. It's a lost time, though. That's what makes me think. Well, but she remembers what happened in that time, though. She thinks she remembers. <laughs> yeah. Well, from what she said, it seemed pretty uh, detailed. Yeah, you, as much detail as she could have, I guess. Hmm. Oh. So, so what do you think of aliens? Do you think they're paranormal? Uh, do you think I, they're something from another planet? Do you think they're multidimensional beings? Do, do you think that's, that sometimes they are connected to paranormal? Um, yeah, I definitely think they can be connected to, to the paranormal because even if Say they are just a more advanced species, right? From maybe another planet, galaxy, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think they would probably have the intelligence uh, to probably understand the paranormal better than we do. Just because it's claimed that they have technology that's much more advanced than we we do, which means they probably have knowledge much more advanced than we do. Um, so I think they would probably understand either interdimensional stuff better and you know spiritual stuff better. Mm-hmm. Um, and also... If they do have more advanced technology, uh, which I found readings and landing sites of, you know, potential landing sites of UFOs and things, um, that that's another energy source for spiritual energy to draw from. So, hmm. but um, it, it's hard to say. I've, I've never had a conversation with one to find out more about it. I've yeah. seen weird stuff. I've seen UFOs. I believe I've seen the grays. Um but uh, I don't know anything about them, enough about them to understand what they are exactly. So there's a lot of potential for it to be one or the other. So, so how do you believe that you saw a gray? Um, what happened? Oh, yeah. no. Uh, so my grandmother's house, the one I had the first mm-hmm. experience in, was a place that constantly had things happening. Um, we saw a chupacabra on the property. Uh, we're in the middle of a city, mind you. So we're not anywhere near where most of this stuff should be appearing. Right. It always appears in the country, apparently. Um, so I had my own room, uh, that I would stay in most of the time when I stayed at my grandmother's house. Uh, it was the summer of, I think 86 and 87. I stayed over a lot during the summer. Um, and, uh, it was a, a converted patio. That was my room and there's windows all around. And there's only curtains blocking it. And I would wake up at night sometimes and I'd feel like somebody was watching me. And I'd be like, like, how do I get this weird feeling like somebody's watching me? And I'd look back, move the curtain, and I saw three gray aliens like staring at me. And I was like, I was little, so I was terrified, right? I didn't know what it was. So I just like covered my head with the, with the sh- covers and was like, this is not real. This is not real. Like, I don't know what's happening. And then... I, I would take the covers off, go look back again, and they'd still be there. So I don't know exactly what they were, but later on, I didn't know what grays were at the time. I was too young. But when I finally started studying aliens and stuff, when I saw the grays, I was like, that looks exactly like what I saw in the backyard two summers in a row. So, um, yeah, I believe I was visited. I'm not sure why. I know they seem to be very interested in me. Like I could kind of telepathically hear like this one's different, something like that. Like they were, but like they didn't, 
I don't remember anything happening. I just remember them kind of staring at me and then looking at each other. So um, it took me years to open up about that because like it was it was hard enough being thought you were crazy for seeing yeah. ghosts. But then I experienced this and was like, man, nobody's going to leave that. And then finally, I'm like, you know, what? I'm going to open up about it because I experienced this, what I remember. Most of the contactees that I've interviewed, um, it's, it's been something that's been repeated in our lives. Like like it's, mm-hmm. it's comebacks happen to them over and over again. And also another one of the common themes seems to be that it's happened to their relatives too. Mm-hmm. Uh, my family, unfortunately, besides being abusive uh, for a lot of my life, uh, a lot of secrets have been kept. Uh, I only recent in the last year and now literally because of what's happened to my family mm-hmm. because they were devastated by COVID. Um, I'm learning stuff that I never knew about. So like my family keeps a lot of secrets. So I wouldn't be surprised if they experienced it and just never told me. Um, I'm pretty open and and my family is not. So right. I think I think it's very possible that they experienced that kind of stuff, but but kept it a secret. Maybe that could be part of what made them abusive is that they weren't able to cope with some kind of supernatural events that were they were experiencing. It's very possible. I wouldn't doubt that that could could definitely be a part of it. Yeah. Um, so you just mentioned Chupacabra. Yes. You've seen one? Yeah. The, the uh, infamous on, goat sucker? Yeah. Yeah, I was on the property. Uh, you know, we have animals. We have cats and dogs. Uh, well, at least at the time we did. Uh, I was pretty young. And myself, my younger brother, and my grandmother all witnessed it. The dogs started making weird sounds outside. Again, I was in that converted patio room I was always in with lots of windows. And it was summer. Mm-hmm again and the windows were all open you know they had screens though so obviously you know um and the dogs started making these weird sounds like they were scared but kind of barking but not and it was it was getting dark so it was only a little bit of light outside and all of a sudden uh, the windows are pretty low to the ground so the i i just see a couple of claws come through the screen like it's standing up on the on the little ledge of the window outside and I see like two glowing red eyes. And like I said, it was half dark, a little bit of light still. So I could see like spikes on the back. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looked kind of hairy, uh, kind of like a hairy lizard almost a little bit. And it looked like some of the descriptions I've seen of the chupacabra. So that's why I believe I saw the chupacabra that night. And my brother witnessed it and my grandmother all witnessed it. We were all looking straight at it. And like, it just kind of looked at us. We saw the claws come through the screen. And then, like, we kind of were, like, asking questions, saying, hey, what, what, what is that? What, you know, just kind of yelling at it. And it finally backed away and took off, and the dogs ran and chased it. And we don't know where it went. It looked like in the backyard over the fence or something. But, uh, yeah, that was that was pretty wow. crazy and intense, and I can't explain what that was. And my mom and my grandma had stories of seeing weird creatures on this property. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, it's just it's been one thing after the other at this place. Wow. Do you think uh, Chupacabra is a cryptid or do you think it's something supernatural? Um, That one does seem like more of a cryptid, but I can't discount the fact that there could be spiritual entities that can uh, like transform into different shapes or things or beings. So that could have been maybe a manifestation of something supernatural, but in that form. 
but I believe it's a cryptid from from the research and study I've seen of it. It seems more like a cryptid. But then again, Bigfoot seems like a cryptid. But sometimes you wonder the reason that we can't capture it or get good evidence of it is maybe it's an interdimensional being or an extraterrestrial or something else that has more uh, easier ability to hide from us than, you know, just a normal giant mm. sort of missing link. Do you think we'll figure out what Bigfoot is in our lifetime? Probably not. Uh, no. I really don't think we will. Just I think because we, I think we will. I I mean I'd hope so, but I I personally just don't <laughs> think so. I don't I don't. Unfortunately, I think one of the biggest problems with again the paranormal, just in general, whether it's cryptids, UFOs, ghosts, uh, it doesn't matter. The the full gamut of the paranormal, um, it's used too much as entertainment, and too many people fear it. And I feel like that takes away from authentic research that could be being done on these things. Mm-hmm. And so when it becomes that, I think not enough people are taking it seriously to really discover what it is. And then, man, we have a horrible track record of discovering things. We usually kill the, the things we discover. They're, they're extinct within the, the, the first few months of any kind of contact with human uh-huh. beings. <laughs> so, so one of the things that like, I've been, I've done tons of Bigfoot interviews and the the researchers that, that I've interviewed and the people you know that I know are really authentic all seem to agree on the fact that the government knows that Bigfoot exists but doesn't want to admit it because it would screw up the logging industry and other industries that like to wipe out forests, basically. And That's interesting. Yeah. So 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 I think they know I think they do know. There, you know I think what? they have proof already of Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think it, 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 it interferes with somebody's profits. It could be. And I mean, that's a big motivational factor, especially in capitalism in general. Uh, you know, uh, it's a quote I just posted. It said, you know, when you look at a forest and you see it more valuable when it's cut down than when it exists. Mm-hmm. I mean, that tells you everything right there. Um so, I mean, that wouldn't surprise me if those kind of interests are involved in keeping certain things secret. Um, but in general, I think there's a lot of reasons why if, if there's knowledge of these things, which I don't doubt there is, to be honest, on some level, there has to be. The, the human curiosity that I have is not, I'm not the only person who's curious about these things. And I'm sure there are people in high levels of in, uh, government and other institutions yeah. that are just as curious um, so I wouldn't doubt they have knowledge of aliens and uh, ghosts and spiritual stuff and even psychics and mediums and all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's government programs that existed that don't exist supposedly anymore that dealt with all those things. So yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if the knowledge is there, but for many different reasons, they don't want to share that. And honestly, beyond even saying logging uh, would be one of the problems, I think one of the biggest problems is and, and sorry if it offends someone, but religion is one of the biggest forms of control that is, that's existed for humankind. Now, religion has very specific rules. These things existing break those rules. Yes. So right there, I think, is one of the biggest motivators to not, um, you know, disclose if these things exist, because then you mess up the whole thing we were told and, and, and you know, controlled by. Mm-hmm. So I think that is even more powerful than than you know interest in money. <laughs> in some ways, I mean, the Pope did recently come out and say that if aliens exist, that 
Christianity would welcome them or something along those lines. So, yeah. so they seem to be at least at least the Catholic Church seems to be a little bit more open. Um, well, I think with religion in particular too, it is losing a hold on a lot of people. It's it's outdated. It just do, it doesn't reflect the modern world anymore. Mm. It reflected what the world once was, but with all our modernizations, like religion, sometimes just doesn't. It's not open enough. So I think you're going to have some religions that are finally going to jump on to modernizing some of their beliefs because it's going to keep the, keep the whole functioning, you know, uh, of this religion. So I used to believe that until I moved down here to Alabama (laughs) and it's given me a completely different perspective now on, um, people's belief systems and how powerful it is. Yes. You know, because, because I originally grew up in New Jersey and New Jersey, it's not even an issue, you know, (laughs) nobody cares. And and down here, it's like the first question somebody will ask you is, well, what church do you go to? Mm -hmm. Yep. In fact, I had a guy take me out to lunch. He was trying to recruit me into like a, a real estate team. And he asked me that question. I said, well, you know, I, I don't really believe in religion, you know. And he goes, well, where do you think we came from? And I said, probably aliens. And he was like, check, please. <laughs> he doesn't subscribe to the ancient alien theory. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so what do you think about that part of it? Do you think that humans were seated on earth do you think we um evolution and darwinism because when i look at darwinism to me there, there's too much of a gap there, there's it, it's still for me it leaves too many unanswered questions um the idea of the planet being seated by aliens is a tough one because we don't have any proof of it um it is interesting that a lot of humans have shown up on the earth at the same time though with different races you know um it is it, one of those weird mysteries we we don't even know how long civilization has existed yeah do, do, do you ever get curious about any of those type of questions oh of course uh, my curiosity really um has no bounds um, I think what I've learned and what keeps me grounded in, in everything I believe in is that, uh, what do they say? A smart man claims to know everything. A wise man knows he knows nothing. Yes. I like to live as a wise man. I know nothing. Uh, I don't have evidence of either or. Um, and I can find flaws within the, the things mm-hmm. that they say happened. So the best way to look at it is I don't really know. I'm curious and I'm open-minded to anything because I think a real intelligent person who someone who understands life is that at any moment, and this is science too, at any moment, somebody could prove something that disproves what we think is real. So with that possibility, you have to be open. Otherwise, what if your belief is so strong and somebody actually brings you real life evidence that what you think is wrong you're not going to take it and you're going to say, well, you're just this and that. No, 
you gave me evidence, then I can now be an intelligent person, take that information and say, wow, I was wrong. This is how things must have mm -hmm. gone because here is the evidence that it did. So I think being open and, and saying like, it's a possibility this could have happened, but there are po other possibilities too. I think that's really important. If you stay open, I think to me, that that's what grounds me is mm -hmm. I stay open to the possibilities that uh, other people could be wrong. I could be wrong. <laughs> yeah. So, so you and I sort of go by the same, same philosophy, like, um, cause I'm sure that there's even possibilities that I can't think of. Yeah. You know, exactly. so, so even the possibilities that, that, that I can come up with, I'm absolutely sure that's not all of them. I'm probably mm. not even close to all of them, you know, and, and, and that's true for all humans. Really. We're all really, we're not as smart as we think we are. <laughs> well, and and I think one of the flaws of humankind is is the idea that we want to know everything or we do know everything. It it takes away the idea that there's complexity. You know, that makes it very simple if you can learn everything. Like that's not hard. That's not mysterious. But but to say that everything is very complex and there's not one solid answer for everything so that that opens you up to ah, oh, there's there's possibilities out there and yeah. even like you said possibilities i haven't even thought about yet <laughs> i mean when you think about like like um like when galileo said started saying like the world was uh you know the earth rotated around the sun it came with the helio heliocentric view of the universe um yeah, you know, they wanted to kill him. There you go. <laughs> because it went against what other people thought. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. The, any any time you bring to the table something like an example I can use of just something normal that people don't like. So um, when it comes to, and I'm not going to political necessarily. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to use a political example. So when it comes to politics, I've learned over my years of life that it seems like the two party system is broken and doesn't work very well. Right. But people are, they have such a strong belief, you have to be either one or the other, that if you criticize one, you're obviously the other. Right. But I criticize everything and everyone, because mm -hmm. I feel that's the best way to be. And I don't Me like too. to choose sides in a situation that I don't feel is, is actually a side in the first place. Mm -hmm. But when you bring that to people, they're baffled and they don't know how to respond to you. Or they just say, well, what are you going to do? Well, you have to choose one. No, I actually don't. <laughs> You're, you're saying I do, but I don't. So that, that would be, a, to me, like a very practical example of, of like thinking outside the box where people only think one way, right? Only this or this. But yeah. me, no, 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 no. There's a middle ground here. <laughs> Understanding that I do not feel represented <laughs> or cared for by either or. Right. And I will, I will constantly point out the flaws in both and say we need to work harder and better at things. Yeah. You know, I, I had the one time I had a the only this is the only time too that I had a guest like really flip out on me. He and this was like before the election and, and, and he mm. goes, Well are you gonna vote? And I said, I never vote. You know, I said neither party represents what I believe. You know, I'm not so why why am I going to do that? You know, why am I going to vote for something I don't believe in? And yeah. this dude went off on me for like a half hour, threatening to hang up on me and, and all this stuff. I'm like, but you know, like, like I'm, I'm just like you, you know, I, I look at it and I'm like, yeah, like nobody here really 
mm-hmm. as my interest neither right. side you know and I, well like and that to me i even point out the flaws in majority rules like mm-hmm. you know what i mean having that philosophy really screws over a small percentage of people if you're so different that the majority controls everything there's always going to be unhappy people right yeah you there's know? always going to be a minority if there's a yeah where is the majority there's that. a minority yeah <laughs> like i mean you know just like if majority people are racist and you don't like racism you lose automatically. Like that's, that's how majority works. Like, I don't understand how people think that that's a great philosophy. Like even as I got older and I thought about um, our, our justice system or judicial system, uh, whenever I saw, cause I was, I was severely bullied in school and picked on and beat up and all kinds of stuff. And, and they didn't even know about the paranormal stuff. It's just cause mm-hmm. I look different. Um, uh, I, they said you would be judged by a jury of your peers. Well, you might as well just give me the chair because I've been judged by, <laughs> by a jury of my peers and it did not go well for me. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, th- these examples of how things yeah. don't work. And when you point it out to people who think it works, they'll never see your way. And again, that's perception. That's their perception of things is that it works. Mm-hmm. But my perception is that it doesn't work. And yeah. immediately... Uh, you know, usually you don't get along with those people. You're on the fringe once you start talking. Or do you even, do you even get more weirded out when you say, I don't know. I'm not, when, when, you, when, when you don't even try to change their perception because you know you can't. When you're exactly. just like, when you're just like okay, well, I, that, that's cool, but I still want to be friends with you. I don't care. Yeah. And then they're like, <laughs> they don't know what to do. Yeah. Because <laughs> you just want to hang out with everybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, I, I honestly... I don't judge most people. This is where I get to the point as a human being where, where I start cutting people out of my life. When they, when I give them a chance, if I feel they've done me wrong and I explain Mm -hmm. to them, Hey, what you said hurts me or what you did bothered me, or you said something bad about my wife or someone I care about. Oh yeah. I'm letting you know that that's not all right. Mm -hmm. Now, if I give you that warning as a respectful human being to another and you continue I will delete you and not be your friend, but, but I gave you fair warning to be respectful to me as I am respectful to you. (laughs) So that's where I draw the line is when I I give everyone a chance. I believe everyone, look, here's, here's where my life is right now. Okay. And most people are shocked that I did this. My mom got COVID. My grandma got COVID. My grandma was my abuser. My mom never protected us from it. Um, I didn't hate my mom, but I definitely didn't trust her. I didn't hate my grandma, but I couldn't be around her. Right. My mom's intubated right now. It's been three weeks now. They're doing uh, all kinds of stuff to try and save her. Um, we'll see how that turns out. My grandmother had a heart attack during COVID. I had to put her in a home. Mm-hmm. I'm back with my family. I'm living at my grandma's house right now. I'm taking over it. And I'm doing all this stuff. Because at the, the type of person I am is I'm a helper. Regardless of what they did. You know, I know that they're that way for some sort of reason. And, and I may never figure out exactly why. But I still think everybody deserves to have a happy life and yeah. and and be treated good, regardless of what they've done. Because I think that's that's where the whole problem started. Is somebody mistreated mm-hmm. them and they gave the favor on to someone else. So I took on a lot of responsibility right now. It's very stressful. I almost forgot about today because I went to go visit my grandmother because I'm trying to deal with all her property stuff. Right. But but that, that's such a healing thing to do for yourself, though, dude. Yeah, you know, because at the end when. It, like if they don't survive, you're gonna be okay with yourself because you know you did the right thing. Exactly. You know you opened your heart up, 
and, and, and allowed forgiveness to happen. Mm-hmm. You allow the possibility of even being hurt again and said, screw that. I'm going to put kindness before that. Yeah. Like, like that is like really an amazing thing to do. Uh, it's huge. Like, like, I mean, he's gonna. I mean, that's really like he's gonna. In, in the end, like, like in the long term, it's totally gonna change your life. Oh yeah, I'm absolutely. Sure it will. It's amazing. It already kind of has. Now I just have to finish a few more paperwork's to <laughs> get everything under under uh, my name because, of course, my family never did anything like wills or, or trusts <laughs> or all that. So I'm trying to get all that done right. Now I, I've <laughs> been all the assets. I, the only reason I say, it, I mean, I, I've been there. You know, mm-hmm. you know, I got. I, it, well, like when my parents got sick, like taking my, care of my mom was was no problem because she was good to me, really nice to yeah. me. But then. When, um, after she passed away, then I had to take care of my dad. I mean, he wasn't a horrible, horrible person, yeah. but at the same time, he was really negative and just, just a royal pain in the ass. And me and him like always right. sort of went back and forth with each other. And then having to take care of him and all the way to the end, um, you know, in the, in the end, it left me feeling okay. You know, and I felt good inside that I was the one that had the opportunity, and I was the one that was able to, to do that. You know, yeah. it, it wasn't my brothers, my sisters. It was me that stepped up and, and did yeah. it. And, and I think that's cool that you're doing it. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I mean, it's again, it's my nature. Even when I left, because I had to cut my family off, I left with peace. I didn't have resentment or anger. I said, mm-hmm. "Look, I love you guys. I wish you the best." But for me to heal, I need to step away. And if you love me, you'll understand that. And if you don't, you don't. I mean, I, I don't know how to say it any other way. So, um, you know, and then when it time came and a family friend told me what it went down, I said, you know, they all said, we think family should be dealing with this, you know? And I said, that's fine. I'm like, I'll, I'll do my best, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, before my mom went critical and was on life support, I was able actually to speak to her. Yeah. And I feel at peace if something happens that at least she heard my voice. She heard me say, I love you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that I think is going to bring me a lot of peace because it's difficult that I can't speak to her, or even see her right now. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And even like like now, like like my wife is her, like all, all her family has passed away. This is how I ended up in Alabama because all her pa- family had passed away, except her aunt and uncle who happened to live here in Alabama. So we moved down here to be close with them. And, you know, I didn't expect them to get sick or anything bad to happen right away. You know, I figured maybe 10 years or so. But, you know, her her aunt, we think, had COVID. Mm. (laughs) And and it it jacked up her heart. And, you know, now she's bedridden. You know, I guess she's, she's, I I don't know how much time she has. You never really know. But we know she's not going to get better. Yeah. So, So now my wife is. She spends, you know, three days a week at their house and then comes home, goes to work, goes to school, does all, all this, all this stuff, you know, and, you know, it's, it's just a good thing to be, be there and to be able to take care of people. Like, like for you, like you say, it was, it was a natural thing for you because you're a caretaker. Like for me, it, it wasn't a natural thing. I'm naturally a selfish person. I totally <laughs> admit it. I am all about me. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, but I did it. It made me feel better. Yeah, definitely. No, and I, and I feel good about it, you know, because in the end, 
I found out my grandmother burned all her bridges. She, mm-hmm. everyone who was helping her, she did something to them and everybody was gone. They found her on the floor. She had had a heart attack during COVID in her own house. And that's how they found her. And man, she survived this. There's 93 and I, I put her in a board in care. I was visiting her today because uh, I'm getting all the information to get a living trust done so mm-hmm. I can, you know, protect her assets and all that. Um, and yeah, I mean, I like, yeah, it's weird. I actually, you know, pity her and feel bad for her because, you know, she, all of her family's in Italy besides her and me and uh-huh. my mom. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of paperwork. I, I've been an executor three times now. <laughs> wow, yeah. This is my first time. Nobody prepares you for what I'm going through. I'll tell you that. No. I When I had cut them off, I thought I'm just going to pursue my dreams in entertainment and paranormal and do my stuff. And mm-hmm. then. This came into my lap and it was like, there we go, back at the at the at the job again. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it it'll all get tied together somehow yeah. and yeah, work out for you. Oh man, this was a pleasure. Thanks for coming on and talking to me tonight instead of watching the Super Bowl. Sounds good. I'm not the hugest sports guy. I'm okay. I like it, but I'm not I'm not a big fan. I'd rather be doing other stuff that I love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But thanks for having me. I had a great time too. Yeah, me too. Um where can my listeners find you? All right. So if you want to find my entertainment-related stuff, you can check out www.mcpr.com. That's the letter M, the letter C, P-I-E-R-R-E.com. And that's my comedy, my music, mainly my music, but also my other entertainment stuff. Even my paranormal stuff's on there. Um, and then my main paranormal stuff is paranormaldetectives.org. That's paranormaldetectives.org. My organization's called the Southern California Paranormal Detectives. And that's me. Awesome. And I'll post a link to those in uh, the notes of this episode so my listeners can check it out while they're listening. Awesome. All right, man. Thanks for coming on. Hang on one moment, and I'm just going to play the outro. Sounds good. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable on KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need, and it's on Amazon. It'll change your life, because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you loved what you listened to, don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe.